welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for that. Just something else I might add to that is uh, one of the reasons why we're doing this is that we're hoping that we all develop a far more biblical view and perspective on our finances. Finances is something that we all have an opinion or an attitude toward. Isn't that, isn't that right? Don't you think? Thank you. Thank you very much. But one of the problems is, I don't want to say if you're awake, that's all. One of the problems is that we're reluctant to talk about money, aren't we? And so our views and perspectives are shaped by a whole heap of other forces. I mean, it's almost become one of those taboo subjects. You don't talk about money. It's, like, it's almost like sex and politics. We all know most people are doing it, we just don't talk about it. We just, we just, we just don't go there. You, know, you, just, you wouldn't dare ask somebody about you know, what they earn. It's just not socially correct anymore. You don't, you don't do that. Now imagine... You know, a mate of yours saying to you, how was the weekend? You know, great game on the weekend. How's those Irish people beating us again on international rules? And, you know, have a nice little chat. And then throwing this in the mix. And uh, by the way, how's your finances? Uh-oh. How's, how's your giving going, Elise? Now, come up here and tell... No. How's, how's your debt management? How's your... Uh, your savings. How's about you minding your own business, I think would be what we would say to our friend. Because we just don't talk about it. We are reluctant to talk about it. And so people remain silent. And unfortunately, churches remain silent as well. Churches don't go there, but we're going to go there because we think it's a very, very important subject to talk about. Because like I said, everybody has a different attitude and perspective towards finances. I've got a crispy 20 here. Who loves the smell of a 20? I do. One thing that I realised preparing for this series is, my, my goodness, I've got a lot to work on, I tell you, because this smells nice. So I'm going to put it right there. Now, I'm going to give that 20 away, quite simply, to anyone who wants it. And there's only one thing you've got to do. Come up and get it. Come on, give Glenn a clap. He didn't hesitate. Put it in. Now, I did that because I wanted to see how fast Glenn could run. But, but also, I know that in the room just then, we had a whole heap of different attitudes and ideas as to what was going on. Most of you were thinking, that's a pathetic sermon illustration. But some of you were also going, man, I would love to go for that 20, but I don't dare go for that 20. Some of you were thinking, I don't care about that. I am above that. Some of you were probably thinking, yeah, I would like to, but oh, I'm not sure. And some of you were probably so greedy that you have no shame and you run for it. <laughs> However, you certainly do. So that is a huge, vast array of opinions and perspectives. And that's the problem, that we are all on different pages as far as finances are concerned. And we all need to get on the same page. We need to get on God's page and see exactly what He thinks about different money matters. And that's what I've entitled my message this morning, Money Matters. And one of the things 
that I want to just establish as a foundation is that I truly believe that money does matter to God. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds like heresy, but I do believe that money matters to God. All you've got to do is hang around someone close enough and long enough and you will find out exactly what's important to them because of how often they talk about certain things. You know, some people, you know, you hang around them and you know that they love their family or they love their sport or they love their hobbies or they love themselves. Some people may even just love Jesus, I don't know. But you hang around people and you know what they're interested in because of how often they talk about it. In the Bible, there are 40 verses on baptism, 275 verses on prayer. 350 verses on faith, 650 verses on love, and 2,350 verses that relate directly to finances. Now, I'm no theologian, but that to me indicates that God has an interest in finances and money. And if God often talks about it, then we need to listen. And today we're just going to look at what are some of the biblical reasons as to why God may be interested in money. Can we do that today? Okay, so we're going to look at an example from 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 4. Just read along with me. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Isn't that amazing? What a combination for generosity. Extreme poverty and severe trial, welling up into generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, one of the things that I can glean from that passage that I'm going to share with you this morning is simply this, that money has power. Money has God power. Verse one says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. Grace is a, something given by God to empower us, to enable us. See, money has also been a great source of blessing, but also a great source of cursing for a lot of people. This week I read in the paper, it was so funny. This guy became an instant millionaire on a game show. I don't know if you caught that news. And uh, he's won the jackpot. He's there with his girlfriend. He's jumping up around. He's celebrating. And guess what's the first thing that he does? Now that he knows he's a millionaire. He turns around, he dumps his girlfriend. I'm a millionaire. I no longer need you. I can now afford to do much better than you. Goodbye. It dumps you on national television. See, money can be a blessing. Money can be a curse. A poor girl got kicked out of his life, but he thinks he was blessed by what he got. And in the Bible, we get a similar story as well about a rich young man, rich young ruler who wanted Jesus, wanted to be with Jesus, wanted to follow Jesus. And uh, he had kept every command. Now, I can't boast of that. And I don't know how many other people can. But when I look at this young man's life, I'm thinking, man, he's pretty, he's up there. He's definitely up there. He's, he's uh, wealthy, he's rich, he's successful, and he has maintained every command that Jesus ever asked him to keep. And then he says, what else can I do to follow you? And we all know the answer. Jesus says, you must give up everything to follow me. His response brought a bit of a curse in his life because he just couldn't. He just couldn't do it. He, he couldn't give it up. 
He just couldn't give up his love for finances. Now, I don't believe that the context there is that Jesus is saying money's bad, get rid of it all. I believe the question behind that question was simply this, do you love me more than money? And I think the, the young man looked in his heart and said, I don't know, I, I don't think I do. And he had to walk away sad. And I think that's one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves during this series. A very simple question. Who do we actually love more? Do we love God more? Or do we love money more? Because money can bring, like I said, a curse in our lives, if we do. Or an absolute total blessing. I do believe that there is a blessing in finances. I do believe there's a blessing in giving. I do believe there's a blessing in money. Now, I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm not saying that, you know, if you give this much, God will give you this much because uh, that's what the Bible promises. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that in the Word of God, there is a promise of blessing when we give. I can't tell you what the blessing is. That's the only catch. Only God in His providence and in His sovereignty will decide. He may make you rich, I don't know. But I can't promise you that. But what I can promise you is that there is an abundant, amazing blessing attached to giving. It is a promise given by God in His Word. It may be that amazing sense of feeling, of, of, of peace and fulfilment that we feel when we know that we've done God's work. That, it may be that sense of joy when we know we've helped somebody. I don't know. It may even be longevity. Um, there's a story by J.D. Rockefeller who, it's amazing, on his 54th birthday, he was given one year to live. He had led such an incredible life, hard work in life that his stomach was full of ulcers. His hair was falling out. He was diagnosed with all these sicknesses and his doctor said to him, I'm sorry, you, 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 won't, you, won't, you don't have 12 months to live. And so this guy is gone, this entrepreneur, this American entrepreneur is gone. Well, I can't take my money with me. Uh, I might as well give some of it away. So he actually gave 60% to missions and charities. He funded cures for tuberculosis and... He gave everything else to the, to the poor and the homeless. Now, 54 given a year to live. A man died at the age of 94. He gave it away. He gave it away. There is a blessing attached to giving. And I think we just need a revelation of the power of God. We need a revelation in our lives to be able to walk out this promise and understand and get before God and say, God, open the eyes of my heart to these truths that are being brought from the front during these weeks. Bring me, give me a, a God-given revelation of what you think toward finances. Not my perspective, not my preconceived ideas, but grant me your understanding and your revelation of what finances are all about. Something practical that I, I, would, I would urge you to do is to read the book of, book of Proverbs in the Bible. Just go through the book of Proverbs, a simple book. It's a fun book to read and finances is a predominant topic in that book. And I tell you, you will get so much out of it about the, the practical applications and the reasons and the whys for the power of money. So just one thing that I want to bring to you very simply this morning is simply that, that God has ordained money to have power to either bless you or to curse you. And let's hope that we decide to use it as a blessing in our lives and as a blessing in other people's lives. Amen? Something else that we can glean from this verse is that money is a tool. Money is a, it's a great tool. It goes on to say, in the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability as much as they were able to fund God's work. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me when people say, I'm not interested in money. I don't care about money. All I care is about helping 
and helping the poor. I'm here to help the poor. Really? What are you going to help them with? How, how are you going to help them? We've got a whole bunch of people, uh, God-loving, God-fearing, people-loving people that go to a soup kitchen every Friday night and help their homeless and feed them. Can you imagine them going to a soup kitchen without any soup? Just with a big smile and say, we're here because we love you and, uh, and we wish you well. God bless you, brother. And uh, all the best, we'll come back and bless you again next week. No, no, no. The, the very reason why, if you're interested in helping the poor, you should be interested in money, is that you can help to feed them so they can finance God's kingdom, God's work and God's labour. They may, you know, prayer and cuddles will only go so far. Uh, they'll, they'll get sick of it after a while. They'll, they'll need something. They'll need money to be able to receive the help that they need. Because money, money can talk. Money says to land, I can own you. Money says to a vision, I can fulfill you. Money says to a building, I can build you. Money says to a ministry, I can support you. Money says to poverty, I can feed you. And money says to opportunity, I can take you. We're to change our thinking. We're to get that revelation and just, just change our thinking and get before God and say, God, help me. Help me understand that maybe, maybe everything that I get, maybe it's not all for me. Maybe some of it you wanna use as a tool to bless others. Maybe it's not just about me having enough food to put on my plate, but maybe it's enough for me to put food in other people's plate as well. Maybe what I have, maybe what I receive, that this me and mine, that this, this, this waste that I get, it's not, just, it's not just for me, but it's a tool. It's a tool that God wants to use for the blessing and the edification of others. But we, you know, we, we might say, well, I earned it. I, I work, it's my money. Well, yes, you work for it, but who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the opportunity to work? Who gave you the gifting and the talents? God did. Well, maybe some of what He's given you, maybe some of that is a tool that He wants you to use to help others. But we just, we just want to keep it to ourselves. I, we, we do what my, what my daughter does. She loves Macca's pancakes. And I buy them for her when we go for our daddy dates in the mornings. And uh, sometimes, you know, I look at them. I try to stay away from them. But sometimes I look at them, I just can't resist them. And there's this little girl sitting behind these three pancakes behind a mound of butter and syrup. And she's about to dig in. And she's like got the biggest smile on her face. And I know how to wipe away that smile very quickly because I say to her, Natalie, can I have a little bite? She just hides it. She literally just hides the thing. And I'm just thinking, you ungrateful. I bought you those pancakes. How dare you want to keep all to yourself? And she looks at me with resentment. She puts her body between me and the pancakes. And I just go, I just want a little bit. I just want a little bit of your pancake. And then I just see her get a little knife and fork and she's <clears throat> looking at me. Just, I can see her cutting. I swear, if, if she gives me a pancake that's about half the size of my thumb, I would be lucky. I, three pancakes, this little bit, here you go, here you go, take it. Yeah. But I reckon that's what we do with God. How you guys say, look, I've given you all this. How much of that that I have given you are you going to do for what I need you to do? It's not just for you, it's for the blessing of others. It's a tool for you to help others. It's a tool for you to build my kingdom, extend my kingdom and extend my love. So as freely as we've received, I believe freely we should give. And rather than turning our back on God with our finances and trying to carve as little as we can 
resentfully and then throwing it back on him. Maybe we should just go, get before him and just say, okay, Lord, you've given me this much. How much? How much? What should I do with it? How can I help? And I believe that there will be, there will be an amazing blessing attached to that. Something else that we can learn is also that money is not evil. Money is actually not evil. It goes on to say this, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. See, it's, it's a service. It's a, it's a service that we're doing for God. It cannot possibly be evil. I know people look at finances in terms of good versus evil, but it's not that. I know we've heard this teaching before, but I just wanna remind you of it. That it's not a matter of good versus evil. It's a matter of righteous versus unrighteous. You can be rich and righteous or unrighteous, and you can be poor and righteous or unrighteous with it. The choice is yours. It's a matter of how you're going to react with your finances. You may be poor and very unrighteous. You may be greedy. You may be jealous. You may not be thinking about how to get out of your situation. You may be thinking that God hates you. People hate you. You may be playing the blame game. I don't know, very unrighteous. However, you could also be poor and very righteous and give out of your poverty and give faithfully and say, God, I have very little, but what I have, I give to you right now. We, we know that story from, um, uh, from the Bible, the, the poor rich widow. I love that story. I just want to remind you of it this morning. That she gave out of her poverty. There's, a, there's an old lady, the Bible tells us uh, that she went into the temple to give just to give of what she had. Now, I did a bit of research on this, and this is really interesting. They had these uh, ceramic, ceramic money um, receptacles, right? And that was shaped uh, in the shape of horns. Now, the reason for that was so that you could hear how, much, how many coins people put in those, in those horns. So the more people put in, the louder the sound, and the Pharisees would sit there going, mm, well done, well done and faithful servant. And if people didn't have very much, you could also hear how much, how little they put in. So you can just imagine you know, people going in there and putting in of their riches and dropping in their coins, you know, shush, 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 shush. No, how do you make a sound? <laughs> That's a very bad sound effect. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then this old lady walks in and the Bible tells us she had one little coin, just one little coin. She drops it in. Tink. Is that better? <laughs> you get the idea. It's just one, one, little, one little coin that she puts in after others have gone through and put in hundreds and hundreds of coins that pleased everybody around them. And Jesus was watching that. And Jesus says, in her I am well pleased because she gave out of her poverty because she gave out of what she didn't have because it cost her something because it was a sacrifice. I am not ashamed of, the, of this woman. You can be poor and absolutely righteous and more righteous than any rich person in the world. Conversely, it works the same if you are rich as well and you're wealthy. You can be righteous and unrighteous. You can, be, you can say, God, okay, the Bible tells me to be generous. Am I really being generous? Am I really being sacrificial? Is this really, what I'm giving, is this really hurting me? Am I feeling this? Is this an actual sacrifice? Am I going without something? because of what I'm giving. I mean, that's, that's generosity. That's costing you something. Or you can just be okay, righteous and say, okay, God, thank you for these blessings. Thank you for what you've given me. I can't take it with me. So, hey, here we go. Lord, challenge me. How much? How much? And, and freely be able to give. So it's not, a, it's, not, it's not that money is evil. 
It's not good versus, versus bad. It's righteous versus unrighteous. And we've got to get rid of that mentality. Somewhere else in, um, in, in, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says this, that it's the love of money that's evil. Not money itself, it's the love of money. Money in itself is fine, it's how much we love it that makes it evil. And another reason why I just can't believe that money can be evil is because, now this may sound a little bit strange as well, so just bear with me, but I truly believe that money can help us become more like Jesus, especially when we are being generous with it. I mean, Jesus was the most generous person who ever walked this planet, the most generous person in history who being rich became poor, who left the splendour of heaven to be born in a stable, who traded the worship of angels for the insults of man, who gave up everlasting life for death on a cross for us. Don't tell me that's not generous. Now, when we practise any kind of generosity, don't tell me that we're not taking some steps and becoming more and more like Christ, which is what our calling is, which is what we're supposed to be doing. When you're generous, it can help you become more like God. It can help you walk in His footsteps. It can help you walk in His example that He's left us. Money cannot possibly be evil. As I said, the problem is the love of money. How much do we love money? And I know I've been challenged by this. I don't consider myself someone who loves possessions and is aiming for wealth and riches in this life. But I tell you, when I think about this, when I meditate on these truths, it's a challenge to me as well. And I just think, man, God, wherever there is a part of me that truly loves money more than you, where truly I, I, I spend too much money thinking about, too much time thinking about money, please help me. Please redirect my thinking. And I've got a few questions here that I've asked myself that I'll just ask you as well. And they're rhetorical, you don't have to answer or confess in weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's fine. Just, just have a listen. In regards to checking our hearts, how much do we envy? How much do we actually envy what other people have of their possessions, of their wealth, of their success? How much time do we spend thinking about it and going, oh, wish I had that? Gee, they're lucky, I'm not. How much do we envy? I think the answer to that can help us understand how much we love money. Remember, we're looking at the fact that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. How much do you fear? How much are you walking in fear rather than faithfulness? How much are you fearing everything that you hear about the global economic crisis, the interest rates, the this, the that. How much are you fearing that as opposed to be walking in faithfulness to a God who can provide, in faithfulness to your heavenly Father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the, the God in heaven who is your provider? How much does your fears towards finances weigh up in comparison to your faithfulness towards your loving heavenly Father? Now, here's, here's a good one. It's a good one because it... it Challenged me when I thought of it. How do you really feel when you give? How do you really feel when you have to give? Or when you feel like you have to give? Are you truly joyous? Thank you, Jesus. Bible says we should be joyful when we give. How, what's, what's our thought process? Oh, they better see what I'm putting in. Got a handful here. Pass on the bucket. But I'd be grateful, gee, they're lucky to have me. Whew. 
of stinking giving. Why can't I just be saved and go to heaven and here, bang. What's our thought process when that bucket goes through? Or any other form of giving. Bible talks about being sacrificial, being joyful and being constant. Is money too high on your agenda? Do you think too much about money? Is it your number one focus? Was it family or friends or health? How's your, how's your debts? I think that's another one. How much do we get ourselves into debt? Someone once said, we all buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. So we get ourselves into debt. I think, it's, I think it's great to examine ourselves. The Bible talks about examining ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And we're all in this journey together, not coming at you as some, as some guru. I've examined myself and I have fallen on every single one of those. And I know there are things I need to work on and improve. I know that. And we're all in this together. But it's about recognising the potential in money, recognising that it's not evil. It's not an evil topic. It's not an evil subject. It's a subject that God talks about and it's actually something that He can use for His glory. And that he, if we just open up our hearts and find out exactly what's in our hearts, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about what's in our hearts. It's about the condition of our hearts. Give an example of my daughter who withholds her beautiful uh, Macca's pancakes from me every, every, every daddy date. But I've also got another child and um, he knows that I love having fresh breath when I come to church. He just, he just, he just, he just latched onto that. He knows that. And more often than not, on their way to church in the morning, he goes, here, Dad, I've got a chewy for you. Here, Dad, I've got a mint for you. And he gives it to me. Now, I tell you what, I, I could look at them and go, after all I've done for you, school fees, feed you every week, giving up so much, after everything I've done for you, after everything I've spent on you and on your life, all you can do is give me a miserable little chewing gum. Do you think I'd react like that? Or do you think it just melts my heart? And, I just, and that little chewing gum just means everything to me. And it means everything to me because I know the heart behind it. I know that he wants to please me. I know that he cares for me. I know that he's thinking of me. It's showing generosity and I'm loving it. And that chewing gum to me is worth billions of dollars. You couldn't buy that chewing gum off me with your 20 bucks. Well, actually... <laughs> Can I tell them that I did lie? Because I'm not going to give away money because there's also another type of people called shrewd and I actually gave them 20 Colombian pesos. <laughs> so good luck with that, mate. About 400,000 more of those and you may get a tic-tac, I don't know. But still, faithful with a little, mate. Faithful with a little. Can I get the worship team to come up, please? It's important to develop a biblical perspective on money and finances, and that's why we're doing this. And it's always a hard issue. Now, it's not that we worship money. It's not that at all. I think the encouragement and the heart and what we want to try and achieve here is that we worship God with our money. I know that sounds a little bit scary for people, but we're called to, to worship God in spirit and in truth, and we all know that. And we all love hearing that. And we worship Him with our voices. We worship Him with our bodies. We worship Him with our time. But unfortunately, the Bible also says that we need to worship Him with everything that we have, with all that we own, including our wealth. 
however little or however great it may be. And that's, that's the issue. It's that hard issue. Amen. Can I get you to stand? I'd love to just pray for you before I hand back to Tony. In fact, pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I just wanna thank you so much for the power of your Word and for the challenge and uh, Lord, for the revelation that it can bring into our lives. Father, I commit this teaching to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would indeed help all of us to see every issue in the Bible through your eyes. Everything that you teach, Lord God, through your perspective. Help us, Lord, to lay aside our preconceived ideas, our biases and our fears. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bring an individual challenge to every single one of us in the subject of finances, in the area of giving, in the area of generosity. Father, we pray that just as you gave to us, just as you've given us relentlessly, unconditionally, lovingly and aboundingly, Father, I pray that all of us, as a result of this series, would become a people that are more and more like you, Lord God, and would also turn to you and say, Father, whatever, whenever, what I have is yours. It's rightfully yours. Use it for the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom. Father, help us to that end, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.